Carl, uh, he set up Wavia Tech, which he sold to Air Data and sold to Boeing um, back in the day. So a bit of a veteran in the aircraft digital records uh, industry and one of the architects at the start of the Spec 2500. Carl, sorry if I'm speaking up too much, but uh, one of the guys who's involved right at the start of Spec 2500 as well. Um, Alan asked us to give you a talk today to keep things at a very high level. We're not getting into specifics about what Block Aviation is doing or our, our projects, but uh, look, we'd be happy to, to talk to you afterwards if there was more, if you wanted to get into to more detail with us. So uh, Alan asked us to talk about, about blockchain and blockchain developments in the aviation sector and in the aircraft leasing sector. Um, to start out, I just want to give a bit bit of background about block about blockchain developments generally uh, in the world because it's a bit of a hyped uh, sec it's a bit of a hyped uh, area and that hype is probably unhelpful because uh, the hype is pretending to solve the world's problems and blockchain like any technology is just a technology so what it's really about is about the the problem the problems and solutions uh, to those problems so just we have a bit of a 101 at the start. So the promise of blockchain or distributed ledger technology as it's interchangeably called is shared record keeping, multi-party consensus, uh, independent validation so that there's validation and consensus on records as they're written to the platform, secure audit trail and uh, tamper proof. And I think in the aviation sector, we can, we can all agree that uh, how aircraft records and records are, are managed, that sounds like a very appealing um, solution. But uh, that is also fraught with challenges when it comes to actually going about uh, implementation and bringing this technology to the, to the real world. So um, I've, I've used a, a document from, from Cambridge University, which I'll share with Alan afterwards and, and you can have a read of that to try and categorize um, this. So in terms of categories, you've got two types of, of, of DLT types. You've got true multi-party consensus systems. And you can see here from the graphic, this is about 3% of the live enterprise blockchain networks that are operational at the moment. I should have mentioned that Keith Baer, who's one of the authors of this report, is on the advisory board of, of Block Aviation. So he's a key contributor to, to our project. So we're privileged to have him on board. So, but the, uh, the rest of the, the, the projects are blockchain memes, which that they're using parts of blockchain um, to implement, but they're not true uh, blockchain multi-party consensus systems. So down the bottom, you've got a spectrum, which I guess is, is, is where, uh, how, things develop out to, to being high on the blockchain meme spectrum. So you start on the left where, and again, it's where there's a lot of hype around blockchain and blockchain is an excuse type projects. And these projects tend to be internally focused and there's executive buy-in and they're used for a marketing purpose. So you can, you can sort of judge for yourself some, where some of the projects are on, on this spectrum. As you move towards the, the high end of the, the, the memes, towards share, a genuine shared infrastructure where you've got inter-organizational cooperation, the locus of execution is shared, and it's a, jointly, a genuinely joint operate, jointly operated platform. But it's, it's 
there's a roadmap to getting there, I guess, is, is, is the point that we're making here. This takes time um, to, to, to achieve. Um, today, the majority of blockchain networks are founder-led. Um, they're very much long-term projects. So the median timeline for a blockchain network, and this is the, the study again that Cambridge University have done it, it's 25 months from conception to production for the, the blockchain network. And the vast majority of them are, are founder led. And I guess the point of that is that there's a requirement for a catalyst. There's a requirement for somebody to pull it together, to get the consensus protocols uh, together. And the alternative is consortium led. And the two best examples of this are IBM Maersk, where Maersk, which is the big shipping container, they've got about 25% of the, the world's uh, freight forwarding have built a network to manage the documentation in freight forwarding, that, all that documentation that goes between ports and to try and create, ultimately what they're trying to create is a digital bill of lading. The consortium-led approach example is WeTrade. So WeTrade is a consortium of banks. As you can imagine, these can be quite unwieldy and difficult to use, or difficult to, 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 to manage. So the majority, as we said, of cases tend to be founder-led and, and to have that catalytic approach to getting the live uh, blockchain networks. The key value proposition for the moment, so where is the focus? The focus is on cost reduction, um, and cost reduction is uh, achieved through reducing the amount of reconciliation efforts that are required. So documents happen to be duplicated, doc, doc, documents having to be checked and rechecked, which I think uh, in aviation, there's, there's a clear uh, use case for that. Currently, the, the uh, value add and revenue generation and new market models, uh, it, it is early days for that still. It's, it's, uh, these are to come down the road. I think everybody can see the potential of, of these projects, but they are uh, relatively, it's relatively early days for those. Uh, the focus is still very much on cost reduction. So um, initiatives in, in aviation. Um, so we have Willison Flydocks. They announced, announced a, 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 a part, a bi-party uh, project back in February 2019. And um, we were in discussions with, uh, with those parties back then. We haven't honestly heard uh, a huge amount more uh, on that project um, since then. The, uh, the ICAO ran a blockchain aviation summit in Abu Dhabi in April 2019. Um, we were at that, that summit. It was a three-day summit in Abu Dhabi, which um, there was a lot of consultancies at it, um, again, extolling the virtues of blockchain technology and how it can change things in the future. There was also a demonstration of, of a pilot uh, with Etihad and a local MRO. There was a Hong, Hong Kong-based company that, that uh, demonstrated that pilot. The pilot was interesting, um, but very, very ambitious in, in that it was, it was probably looking to, to displace the exist, existing uh, infrastructure in the, in the industry. And finally, recently we've had the, the MRO Blockchain Alliance uh, and we note that both Flydocs and Willis are, are in this blockchain alliance. So this is a CETA program, and they're looking at a parts tracking uh, solution um, to uh, 
save save about three point five billion dollars uh, in the in the industry in terms of 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 tracing parts through the back to back to bird trace uh, process. Um, in Ireland and in aircraft leasing. The, the Irish government, they set out their, their financial service strategy back for the 2025 financial service strategy and Article 28 of that, I've just um, taken a little synopsis of it there, is to establish a DLT platform for aircraft leasing in Ireland. And they've charged uh, Aircraft Leasing Ireland, which is the council of lessors, there's 32 members in that council at the moment. And they've run two meetings, two symposiums, with a, a large, uh, it's quite a large group of, of people. Uh, the meeting in October had, had about, I think, 40 people at, at the meeting. And then they had a follow-up meeting in, in, to narrow the focus down in February 2020. And we're, we're hoping, aiming for, this, aiming for a new meeting in Q3. Uh, we've had Avchain, I think Avchain spoke at this, this forum uh, back in January, as far as I remember. So they were working with IBM on uh, centralizing documentation uh, on an IBM platform. And then there's ourselves. So we were founded in December 2017. We completed Propeller Shannon, which is the accelerator back 2018. We completed Barclays Techstars, another accelerator, 2020-19. We're working on the world's first global registry for aircraft records. We've got three pilot projects uh, currently underway. Um, it's, it's, you know, I can think we can say that it's, it, we're working in the spec 2500 uh, domain and we're also looking at aircraft utilization and trying to create a common log for uh, utilization. So just to answer um, Alan's questions, you know, about the impact of COVID, I think obviously it's created a massive imperative and people are, are looking at new ways of doing things currently. So what we're seeing is that people are really keen to understand how blockchain can improve the digital aircraft records process um, because uh, so that we can lock in long-term value. Uh, people are looking for safer and more efficient ways to move records around the industry. And I guess this speaks to the spec 2500 uh, developments. Uh, people are looking for new ways to store long-term value of the records to remove that replication and duplication that uh, we know is, 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 is there and is, is a big problem. It's creating a large inefficiencies in the industry and creates rigid, rigidity in moving uh, aircraft assets around the industry, which is going to be a big issue over the next 12 to 18 months as, uh, as the industry is really you know, trying to recover from the... Uh, the obvious uh, chaos that, that COVID has, has created. And finally, we see that owners are looking for more timely information on the location and the utilization of their assets. And, and to that, we have, we have a very interesting pilot in place with uh, Arian. So the Irish Aviation Authority are an investor in block aviation and Arian, uh, they've also invested in Arian, which is a global uh, satellite constellation of 66 satellites which is tracking ADSB data uh, of aircraft. So we're working with, uh, with Arian to provide uh, utilization services for last known location, for daily and monthly uh, utilization uh, on these, these, these aircraft. And also incursion reports, just for being able to track uh, incursion into no-go zones. So I think 
hopefully that's, I know that's not very detailed data, but hopefully it's helpful. We're available to speak to anybody if they'd like to follow up with us afterwards. But I think uh, we'll wrap it up there, Alan. Brilliant. John, that was a fantastic overview of, I mean, I know a lot of people are scared about uh, blockchain and what it means and understanding it, but I think he gave a very good overview there and, and, and uh, explained it quite well and, and how it's going to impact aircraft leasing and aircraft digital records. Uh, thanks very much for that. We'll, we'll hold off, as I said, there's a few questions coming in here now and uh, we'll just hold them until the end. Um, I will uh, just want to share a few slides with you, uh, kind of a summary of the, the last uh, um, workshop that we had on aircraft digital records. So um, give me one second here and can I find this screen? So hopefully you can see that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so yeah, back in November last year, um, we had a workshop in Shannon that was quite well attended and we covered uh, um, blockchain, we covered uh, aircraft digital records in general, and uh, we uh, also sp spoke a bit about Spec 2500 and non-incident incident statements. For anybody that didn't catch that, uh, it's summarized in a LinkedIn um, uh, article that I wrote at the time, and that's just a, a screenshot of that, but the link to it is there at the top if anybody wants to uh, have a look at it uh, after this or you can find it easily enough in LinkedIn. Um, part of that uh, presentation we had John Barry giving us an overview and uh, apologies from John he couldn't make it today but he gave us a good overview of what's involved in an aircraft digital records platform and there are five key aspects to it um, from imaging captured archival and storage retrieval and distribution uh, business process automata automation and secure mobile or remote access. There, there are some very good digital record systems in the market. Uh, examples would be Stream from Air Data, uh, FlyDocs from Lufthansa Technique, Air Vault from GE, Cloud Cards from Shannon, Sparta from Acumen, which we'll hear a little bit more about, uh, and Elevate from Compass. So they're the five key elements and um, you know all of these uh, platforms are, are incorporating uh, these elements and the elements that you see in this slide in terms of platform services, process and automation and uh, content services into the various digital platforms. And all of them, uh, I believe, are also now incorporating SPEC 2500 standards into the, the various platforms. Uh, Anton Tams uh, was also a speaker at that event and he gave us a great overview about you know, how aircraft digital records are um, uh, coming together. And it's not sustainable, as Anton said, continue to using paper-based record systems to support increasing populations of aircraft. Um, one of the things that uh, Anton mentioned, which I think is key, is that he said that uh, in the ICAO Chicago Convention, nowhere does it say that paper records are mandatory. It just says that appropriate records need to be kept. So over the last number of years, there's been significant industry active activity to, to get that, to, to, to go down that road. Uh, and the three key pillars are uh, harmonization, acceptance, and standardization. Um, so you can see there some of the bullet points from, from Anton from that uh, talk in, in November last, last year. So yeah, in, in the talk, he mentioned IATA guidance material. And that's a screenshot of the document that's out there. It's worthwhile uh, looking at. 
and um, uh, you, you will um, find a lot of inter interesting information, especially, especially in uh, Annex 2 about uh, aircraft records and what should be incorporated into Spec 2500. So uh, another good reference and, and, and uh, source of information is the Aviation Working Group. Uh, and they're trying to coordinate various projects in, in aviation and in particular in aircraft leasing. And you might be familiar with uh, the GATS Global Air Aircraft Trading System, uh, uh, something that they're working on, Cape Town Convention. That's something we may actually visit in the next week or two uh, on the uh, APTN uh, Zoom calls. Also, uh, Anton mentions uh, the ICAO DOC 9680 which is published in, in 2018, that's a screenshot from it. And if you want to learn more about uh, electronic aircraft maintenance records, it's worthwhile having a look at that document as well. Uh, these documents will be available in the APTN members area. Uh, we have a shared um, members area uh, where the content of the Zoom calls and documents like this are located if you need to find them. So that's just a quick overview. What I'd like to do now is I'd like to introduce uh, Amea Gore, who's Senior Vice President, Digital Business at Acumen Aviation. Uh, uh, Amea was, was very kind to come in at short notice, uh, um, as, as John couldn't make, um, uh, John, um, John Barry couldn't make it. He's going to give us a quick overview of, of his um, um, interpretation of Spec 2500 as it applies to the Spark Acumen platform. So, Amea, if you're okay to yeah. take the reins, I will stop sharing here and sure. hand it over to you. Thanks, Alan. Uh, thanks for having me and uh, uh, very, very happy to uh, take up this on a short notice. And uh, hello to everyone on, uh, on, on the call. I can see some familiar names. Uh, so, pleased to see you guys on, on, the, on the call. So, I'll just share my screen now quickly with uh, a very short presentation, uh, just threw in a few slides together, but uh, what I'm going to speak about is uh, more related to the technology side of uh, the implementation of ATS Spec 2500 and uh, what we see as challenges in the in the near term and, and what we feel uh, is necessary in terms of overcoming those technical uh, technological challenges uh, in, in achieving what the ultimate purpose of um, ATS Spec 2500 is, which is uh, to, to harmonize the records, to standardize uh, what records get transferred along with the asset, and also to make sure that the transfer of the assets is easier um, uh, across the world uh, when we have uh, really a global aviation scene there. So uh, just quickly on ATS Spec 2500, um, basically it's it's again as a as as it is known as a, a basic standard for aviation technical records. Uh, it's designed to cater to all kinds of transferable aircraft records, uh, which which are essential for uh, cross jurisdictional uh, um, transactions of assets. And it is also intended to be used by the operators or lessors or anybody who's buying or selling airplanes. Uh, may, may just uh, interrupt. Can you do the, the uh, slideshow, make, make the screen. Um, sorry. Screen. One, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that should do it. Absolutely, thanks. Yeah, so um, it's intended for um, ensuring that the transfer of the records is, is easier. 
of course when the ats spec 2500 comply um the uh, the philosophy or the or the objective was initiated it it uh, it hasn't changed much from a technology perspective and it still um uh, provides uh, uh, scenarios or or um, guidelines for uh, implementing spec 2500 compliance to using a electronic crate or or xml uh, schematics for data sets but i um based on our current uh, scenario i think the technology is already outdated and and it uh, poses certain challenges in in uh, transferring the records um before that we'll just uh, quickly give you a, um, a a quick overview of what the salient features of of the sparta system is uh, so like like all the other names that you took alan uh, this uh, techno this product also has um, um, a very good uh, online repository um, uh, features it has a secure online platform it is hosted on the best of the class um you know hosting uh, systems and and servers and and continuing to work towards uh, implementation of uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence technologies as we go through um um in the in the technology life cycle uh but what what is more interesting is in terms of the spec 2500 compliance so there are i believe three elements as you as you mentioned in your slides as well which is first of all harmonization uh and and standardization of the records which means that it it demands uh the the records to be um available in a well laid out structure it ensures that uh they follow a specific guidelines as you mentioned in annex share 2 of the um aircraft leasing advisory group document that we have and it should follow also standard nomenclature so these three elements of of maintaining uh clean uh, aircraft records uh, is is achieved in uh, sparta as well as i i am sure it is achieved in other uh, online digital records platforms as well um what is also important is ensuring all the all the b2b um, llp b2b binder shop visit records and certificates are maintained digitally and securely uh that as well is uh, in compliance to to the spec 2500 requirements however the the most important bit is the data transfer mechanism that the ats spec 2500 uh, requires and and it still requires um or they still refer to uh, i believe the technology of the crate system or xml formatting uh, which i believe in in today's case is extremely challenging because of the technology shift that we see from the previous microsoft or or um uh, the previous technology products compared to today's uh, coding languages of of these platform systems um what we have uh, done in sparta is basically um used a lot of the open source technology which is obviously the the way to go forward in the in the given um uh, technology scenario and at the same time achieved the objective of making the data transferable through a encryption key uh, mechanism where uh, all the records all the data that is on the platform can be securely moved from uh, one lessor or one buyer's uh, sparta platform to another buyer's sparta platform through encryption key and um, in essence the it it still retains the entire configuration of the asset records it in, uh, it still retains the entire properties of the of the records being transferred 
but at the same time achieves the purpose of of making a seamless transaction between two parties who are who are taking the asset so um here i would like to question uh, essentially the spec compliance spec 2500 compliance mechanism uh in in uh, with regards to the technology that they are proposing and um the the industry like block aviation that we are seeing and blockchain technology uh, i believe the spec 2500 compliance needs to uh, does it does it now necessitate that ikao and iata uh, need to relook at their uh, vision of um, this particular harmonization and data transfer technology so i would with that i would kind of leave the forum open for questions and and q and a on with regards to what their views are with with regards to technology okay uh thank you very much um ame for that uh very interesting uh observations on the technology and where spec 2500 uh falls um we have a couple of questions from the uh audience and um yeah uh, i'll i'll get to those now um first one from john fields uh, will the blockchain technology have a role in instances where an operator uses a traditional records approach i.e. standard dfp that's dirty fingerprint records and use of standard ocr uh, optical character recognition scanning at the time of redelivery or is it necessary for operators to embrace it during the lease term um I, I, before john uh, comes in on that i just uh, i see a note from the last uh, uh workshop in 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 november last year it was john barry mentioned uh, he likes to quote from bellingham's 2017 publication customers the day after tomorrow where organizations are categorized as having type 1 type 2 or type 3 dna type 1 is traditional paper based organizations and type 3 are fully digital enabled so which companies digital records dna i think this is the same point that john is mentioning here do we have to get these traditional airlines and companies into type 3 dna uh, before we can implement these type of solutions john what do you think look i i think uh, when you say type 3 dna what is i i think i got type 2 and i think type 2 is probably sufficient for the moment yeah give me the three types again john well it's just type 1 is 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 old is old hat it's paper based it's 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 the yeah. dfps you know and it's the boxes of records coming back to the lessor no no scanning you know type 2 maybe ocr yeah. uh, and and that type of thing type 3 is fully digitalized digitized in the cloud Yeah no I think type 2 is enough I mean I think we have to be realistic about where the industry is at uh, at the moment I mean there's still probably 30% 32 maybe 40% on paper so I think type and that's where we're coming at it is we're looking at creating a registry to to register scanned dfps uh, and and we we need to move it on from there I think I think dna type 3 is still a bit away mm. um, and and we need we need a network to 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 create that and i think that's the challenge that everybody's trying to figure out where how how do we make uh, that happen and yeah we've got some interesting pilots and i think spec 2500 is a great start to 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 get us there because at least it's creating a create a crate and and, and a data format that 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 we can use and um, but it's but we need to get the industry moving towards that and i think it is moving too slowly so um but 
with COVID and with what's happening, it might be accelerated uh, in, in the next couple of years, and it might move much, much faster than, than anybody, everybody thinks. Good, good. Um, second question from Bruce Allison, again, referring to one of your slides, uh, John, in connection with uh, parts tracking. Um, um, do you know which companies have inputs? Is it just the OEM, less than airlines, or do you know if you, you service material suppliers will have an input into uh, into that project? Or... I mean, the, the MRO Alliance, um, I kind of, in the slides we spoke about the consortium and there's a, there's a lot of parties at the table there and, and uh, it, it's not clear uh, what they're, they're really trying to achieve. What we do know is that in the spec standards, and I think Carl can tell you the exact uh, standards, that there is an XML format for the Form 1 and that Form 1 should, should be digitally transmittable. Mm. So I think that's where what the potential is. Carl, do you, do you want to chime in there or? Yeah, if you, Alan, to your point about uh, the the DNA type one, two, or three, especially with parts, uh, mostly it's type one. I would say at the minute, a paper-based form one that circulated around the ecosystem. Uh, there is a specification, but in fact, it's quite an old specification, probably seven plus years old, spec 2000, chapter 16. And uh, sure, it, it's there, but it just doesn't seem to be widely used where you could actually put all the information that you're about to print onto a form one and sign into an XML data set and move that around the industry instead. I, I just think it's not enabled. Yes, so we don't see so many of them at the minute. Uh, you could, by the way, put that into a crate uh, from Spec2500 and move it around. But uh, that's probably where a lot of people are struggling to say the scale of the parts issue in the industry is so wide, it's so large, that it's a really tough nut to crack. And that's probably why there's so many people involved, so many stakeholders, so many parts. It's, it's quite a big deal to move forward. Good, thanks for that. Um, uh, just if anybody wants to come in with a question, that you can unmute your mic, but if not, uh, we give it a second there. Um, <clears throat> just, no, just going back on my question there that I asked about the 3.5 billion save, I don't understand where the 3.5 billion save is on parts tracking. Like, um, are they just the OEMs and the MROs involved? Because Parts tracking is parts tracking. Like, there's different values on paperwork issued by an engine that's been flying or an aircraft that's been flying in harsh environment versus uh, an aircraft that's been flying, say, in Europe or America. So, like, where is the 3.5 billion save on paperwork, which I don't understand, is number one. And number two is, listen, when we buy an aircraft to tear down, <sighs> Does the suppliers, the used suppliers material, have a say in what exactly paperwork they should get? Because there are so many different criterias in selling a part to different MROs or to different airlines. Is it going to be standardized? What way is it going to be done? It's just a minefield as far as I'm concerned. Fair point, yeah. Bruce. Yeah. So, Bruce, uh, Carl might, might, might answer the second part of the question, but the, the $3.5 billion number. That, that's a number that the MRO Alliance have uh, have taken, have come up with. Uh, I assume that's costs that are that are run up through lack of documentation or gaps in documentation 
Uh, we're not sure really how they've come up with that number, so we, it's hard for us to, to explain how that, that saving is going to come about. Um, I just see a, a comment here from Fergal, and, it, and I think it came up at the workshop in Shannon as well. It really will take action from the civil aviation regulators to encourage the uptake of these more sophisticated approaches. Some are slow, some are more proactive, and I suppose it's the likes of, of EASA to, to drive it maybe from the European perspective, FAA, uh, to get to, let's say, the DNA type 3 across their own particular environments. Um, but yeah, Fergal, I think you're right there. There are uh, actions required by civil aviation regulators to do that, and they should be singing the same song, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, comment from Seb Lawson, there are plenty of blockchain um, uh, systems being discussed in the industry, and you say they're world's, okay, you're talking about the world's first blockchain registry. How are you different, and when will you be open for people to use the blockchain system? That's one for for uh, John or... or, or um, uh, yourselves, uh, the first uh, blockchain registry, is there a timeline for it or wh when will it be available? Yeah, well look, it's, it's already there technically, um, but a registry that's not populated uh, is, is, is of little value. So uh, we're currently underway with pilots, so we're working on a pilot in the next three to four months, which is going to prove, we think, some, some very interesting uh, things and we're working on the utilisation uh, solutions as, as well. So. Um, we, I think we've given an overview of all the projects. Other ones, look, we'd by all means, if somebody wanted to, if people wanted to pop them onto us and we can have a look at them. Um, yeah. um, but I think people are coming at it from different angles, which is what's required at, at this stage because it is very early stages. And that's what I wanted to kind of show through the, 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 through the presentation, that it's early days, but there will come a tipping point where uh, it'll, make, it'll make sense for everybody to jump on board. Good stuff. All right, guys, we're just conscious of time here. Uh, I think I'll hand over to Alex now to give the quick update on APTN membership. Thanks again for your input. Uh, and um, Alex, are you ready to go? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thanks for those presentations. They were uh, brilliant. I won't keep you too long here. I'll just give you a quick update, a few new slides um, about APTN. So as always, um, just recommend you to uh, go over and have a look and join the APTN hub if you haven't already, or um, in the bottom right here, the APTN uh, corporate page, uh, follow that for day-to-day -day updates. Um, the, this Zoom call, which will be available on YouTube as a webinar and on uh, Spotify as a podcast, uh, they will be posted in the next few days, as well as the articles uh, by Alan summarizing all these Zoom calls. So this is just a a presentation here on the potential targets that we have um, that myself and Alan have identified uh, globally. So as we always say, um, we're trying to make APTN uh, as widespread and worldwide as possible so that we can have members in every single country so that for um, members, it becomes a global network. So here you can see we have um, just over 5,000 um, contacts, which our potential targets uh, to join the APTN network, which we're hoping to grow every day. So this graph here um, just shows the growth that we've had um, in the last six or seven months, um, beginning in November. Um, the APTN members has grown nicely and the, we have had a huge um, response to the hub group, uh, almost hitting 1200 members. Um, and as always, we're always encouraging 
Um, if you're a member of the Hub Group, but you haven't signed up to the AP, uh, APTM platform yet, um, ATP membership is still free for 2020. So you really uh, benefit from all the um, applications of the platform. Um, so we really recommend that you sign up to that. And I prob most of you probably received an email um, yesterday uh, inviting you to the join the WhatsApp group. And there was a great response with lots of people joining through the invitation. We're really trying to hone in on this personal um, network of aircraft technical professionals uh, within these WhatsApp groups, which really helps create kind of a personal um, relationship. People are introducing themselves, asking questions all the time in these WhatsApp groups. And it's also another great way to give quick updates on ATPN, but also the whole network as a whole. So these are my contact details. If you have any questions about these Zoom calls, the WhatsApp groups or any of the LinkedIn or platform pages. And we've also set up a Instagram page and Twitter, which you can um, log on and look up, which will also be giving similar updates. That's great. Alex, thanks a million for that update again. Uh, it's great work. And uh, just to conclude then, thanks guys uh, for taking part uh, and, and listening in. Hopefully we brought you something new and interesting on the APTN uh, platform again this week. Um, we're at 12.40, yeah, just uh, 40 minutes, which is good. Uh, just to conclude with uh, next week, I'm hoping to uh, bring a couple of speakers on to talk about GATS and how it impacts the technical side uh, in aircraft leasing and airlines. I know it is uh, primarily a commercial contracts-driven uh, process, but I'm sure there are re-delivery technical aspects to it as well that uh, we can learn about. Similarly, on Cape Town, um, I think uh, both are uh, related and uh, Cape Town protocols and who recently has joined and uh, how it impacts on the technical side of aircraft leasing and re-deliveries. So I'm hoping to have a couple of speakers on those topics next week and we'll uh, let you know more about that in the invites early next week. So on that note, I'd like to thank everybody for taking part, um, especially our speakers, especially Amy at such short notice. Thanks again. No worries, Alan. My pleasure. And, uh, John, thank you very much. So uh, we let you off and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks, Alan. All right. Bye. Thanks, Alan.